0: Hello and welcome to The Sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the heart. I'm your host, Israel, and my guest today is a coach, CEO, host, writer, a mom, and the founder of Safi Media. I got that name right. Safi Media, right? Yep. Safi Media. Uh, Elena Beaton, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: It's my privilege to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh, man. So I remember I saw you put up a post on, um, on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I was like, who is this person? And then I listened to the podcast. and I'm like, I need to talk to this person. He's <laughs> like, you have this way of taking things that like should be boring and mundane. And like, attractive, interesting, makes you, you know, curious, like spark something inside you. How did you discover that about yourself?
1: Oh, wow. What a great question. I think it got affirmed a lot as I was growing up. So I was always really interested in reading and storytelling, and I had an imagination for stories. I loved, you know, language, words, vocabulary. I was always reading books that were too challenging for me. And so it really developed this sort of facility with language and this. Um, love for ideas and concepts and trends. So when I sort of combined that with my lifelong love of watching Oprah <laughs> <like> personal <laughs> personal development, that's where that's where it started coming together. But I always was encouraged and given a lot of support in instances where I made a point about something or mm. I wrote an essay about something. So I think it really from childhood I you know, the my teachers and sort of parents and family recognized and nurtured this burgeoning skill that I had to do that.
0: Mm. So they put in all the work, but you still had to do a lot of work. And and what are some of the work that you did over the years that led to Safi Media and, and this mm. amazing person I'm talking to now?
1: I would say um, a few things. So practicing my craft. So at the heart of everything I do, I think, is the craft of writing. Um, So I really see writing as my core skill set. And what I've always believed is that in order to be able to write well, you must be able to think clearly. So I trained as a journalist. Um I can remember for you know a 10-year period in my life, I probably wrote two to three thousand words every single (laughs) workday. So um, that's insane. Yes.
0: It was like uh all on your computer or like we like literally writing out with with a pen.
1: Yeah, (gasps) both. So I did two things. So i this is what I would do, literally, I would get up early in the morning. Really early, I would have like a massive cup of really strong tea, <laughs> and then I would do three pages of longhand writing because I got this from Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way, and she calls them morning pages. And so, you write three pages longhand, just about sort of emptying the contents of your mind. Yeah. Then, I would go and work on a piece of uh writing, like creative writing. Um, and then I would go to my job and I had like a communications consultancy and I did a lot of journalism, business journalism. I did a lot of communications consulting. So that it was a 10 year period where I was just pumping out words, working on my craft. And that is how you learn how to express an idea. Cause I think most there's so you know, we live in this extraordinary world filled with extraordinary people. Most things are actually quite interesting when you really think about them, and can explain what makes it so interesting
0: to you. Mm. Mm. Well, first off, I, I, I don't, I might sign something but other than that i type (laughs) because i have one of those doctors writings you know like have you like you know when you read a prescription like what is this like like, sometimes i wonder how like pharmacists and and nurses read what doctors are writing because like my writing is like that like i'd write something and days later be like, you know, I have to t- what was I trying to say here? So uh, you know, I'm lucky that like I have my phone here and like Evernote is my fri- friend I think it's one of the first apps that I actually paid for. Like I just dump everything <laughs> in there. Um and like I type it there on my computer. But like uh, writing with my hand is just so tedious and it's so painful. But mm-hmm the one thing you know you mentioned that i think most people don't see is you know especially now like where we have all the answers on google and like um they like you go on youtube and someone is going to teach you how to be the best writer in two days is that people don't see that who you are now and all these skill sets you have because like years and years of doing this thing over and over and over and over again and it's like i just wish people would understand that that's how simple it is
1: yeah that's right it's basically as simple as applying base of pants to seat of chair and pressing firmly <laughs> <I know laughs> have <to>
0: you. <laughs> yeah yeah so um so you know so you did that for 10 years and then when did you decide okay I'm gonna set up Safi Media and what's like Safi Media all about
1: well at, in that process of just doing an immense amount of writing, um, what that 10 year period was all about for me was about an intense period of thinking. And in that time, that's where I realized that um, you know, a lot of the work that I was doing was really helping others to communicate, to market, you know, to build a brand. And in that work, what I realized is that I actually had a lot of ideas and experience and thinking that would benefit people. Mm. So I started my own blog. Uh, and none of the writing that I had done, you know, really was, it was all for a purpose. I was getting paid to do pretty much all of it. And so the blog was the first time that I just started writing to articulate some of these ideas. And it was like, you know, the same experience of growing up, I started writing down my ideas and got a lot of support. So I had an email list and that started growing very easily, you know, from this blog. And that's where somebody said to me, Eleanor, I think you should be, you should think about coaching. And so I, at first, you know, I I didn't think I had any interest in doing that but the more i thought about it the more i realized that what a coach really is is somebody who helps people understand their own minds better you know it's it's about clear thinking and that's what i always had been able to do so i you know got certified as a coach and started to figure out how do i make the transition from the work that i'm doing as a communications consultant to having a coaching business That transition, you know, um, took a couple of years and I was building my company over, you know, around my own brand and I decided that, you know, it's time the company was growing and I wanted to be a spokesperson, but I was no longer all that interested in having a business that was completely tied to my own personal brand. Mm -hmm. I wanted something that could grow without me. I wanted something that could be bigger than me because, you know, I had a very deep connection to the work that we were doing. So from the very beginning, I was doing a lot of coaching with women entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and that, you know, advancing gender equity globally, advancing women's economic empowerment. I cannot do that on my own. (laughs) There's no way. So that's when I decided to build, um, to create and launch Safi Media. So Safi Media stands for Self-Actualized Female Innovators and it really refers to this sort of class of women, you know, and, and maybe class is the wrong word, but it's this very influential group of women who are um, educated either formally or in the school of hard knocks, are very independent are affluent because they've created their own economic um, you know, power in many situations and are massively influential. These are the women who are controlling 80% of purchasing power. Mm-hmm. So I decided, look, that's who I'm here to serve. And so I'm going to start Safi Media and we are going to advance women entrepreneurs and advance gender equity, one woman entrepreneur at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna do it through education. Um, through media and through storytelling. Mm. So that's mm. really how it sort of, the close cool notes on, on how I got started with Safi Media.
0: Why was the focus right on female?
1: Yeah, that was a really, it wasn't a, it didn't start out as a strategic decision. It was a, an instinctive decision I had this sense that I just wanted to primarily engage um in working with women. And it's interesting now, you know, when I think back on it, I remember like we um we immigrated to Canada when I was a kid. My mother Four. from the UK. So my mom's from the Fiji Islands, my dad was Welsh they met in the Fiji Islands. He was making $9 a day. He went over from the UK as in sort of the volunteer, volunteer service overseas. So he was working in the Fijian Central Planning Office. Um, he was making $9 a week, rather, $9 a week. So he had to literally go spearfishing for his dinner. <laughs> he meets my mom and uh, she's a teacher. She had a career, she was independent and she was the main breadwinner when you know we moved to Canada because my dad got a job as a prof at Acadia University mom looked around and she was like this culture is so different I just can't I do not feel comfortable putting my daughter in childcare. I don't know these people (laughs) in fact this culture is completely different so she made a life-changing decision to step away from her career ultimately for 20 years and raise us and my parents had a wonderful relationship in many ways, but it was also a very traditional relationship. And my mom, you know, here was a woman who up until she was 70 years old, she could bench the 45 pound plates. She could squat up until I was like 19 or 20, she could like do full squats with me on her shoulders. Um, She was incredibly independent and and self-sufficient. And she was completely financially dependent on my father for big parts of their life. And I can remember her driving me to basketball practice one day, and she, they've had a disagreement about money, and she says, money is power. Always make your own. And I really saw how even in wonderful relationships, women, what the impact on women of being economically disempowered And I think that has just was such a formative. I saw the same thing with my grandmother, brilliant woman who felt that way. So I feel as though it was this sort of instinctive lineage kind of thing that just a fire in my belly. um, That's where that decision came from.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And um, so what was the process of setting it up? You know, you have this idea, you know these people you wanna reach out to, how do you get it up and running?
1: <clears throat> so most of my um you know career moves have been very much evolution they've been they've been sort of more of an evolution. um they've a lot of them have been based on my natural sort of instincts for how to do things. So what I did, how I set up Safi media, so basically, you know the transition that I made from running a consulting business into the coaching business. In my consulting business, I was paid to produce content. In the coaching business, what the switch that I made was that I was no longer getting paid to produce content, but my content built the audience that then went on to pay me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the heart of everything I do continues to be media production, content production, storytelling. Um, So the way that I, the way that I, all of my big sort of business moves had were built on the back of high quality content. So it started with blogging. To this day, I have an email list. Um, I have a, you know, I have a newsletter that I send out three days a week um three days have, a week yeah blockbuster, <laughs> blockbuster open rates you know um the sort of um, mega people on our list you know who read that content three days a week so there was that and so i started blogging and then i transitioned to a podcast so then i was like podcast blogging and podcasting um, i would produce virtual events and in-person events So, it was always this idea of content, of sharing ideas, of sharing knowledge, of inspiring people through clear thinking, you know, and clearly communicated ideas. That was really how I made the transition. And, you know, from a business model perspective, I started by selling one on one coaching packages. um, And I did that sort of one on one, probably for about a year. And that's how I made money, and I learned how to sell. And I learned even more about marketing. And then I moved into group coaching programs. And so to this today, I only sell two things. (laughs) I have a, that's it, that's it. So I have um, sort of an initial uh, group coaching program called Power Presence Position, and that really helps people find that niche Cause that's quite important and really so a niche is scalable offer and a message. And then I have a year long coaching program and that's all about building the foundations to be able to scale a business service based business to a million in revenue. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot about creating great content that attracted the right people, um, providing highly valuable information in mm-hmm. an easy to consume way and using the power of our stories to forge connection and to, I think, help um, my clients appreciate, accept, and see themselves
0: better. Mm. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, you know, you keep doing all these things that people don't understand. You start small and then you build. Everyone just wants to build a big thing, but they I don't know. know, you know, you start with a brick and then you keep adding it up.
1: Yes, um, I didn't think about that, but that's so true. That is so true. I think it's the only way. You know, I, I remember I learned this this sentence from Barb Stegman. I think you would know Barb Stegman. She's kind of like a. She's a. She is an entrepreneur. I met her when she bef- just before she started her perfume business. Um, she's amazing and has so many amazing turns of phrase. But I can remember sitting down with her and we were joking around about something, and she said, "Oh, I'm humble." but not modest (laughs) and I was like, I think that's true. Like for me too, I really believe in the power of humility of being humble. All of, I would say most of the mistakes that I've made or not many of the mistakes that I've made have been when I wasn't humble you know, and I do think there's a difference. I don't believe in modesty. I don't believe in pretending I'm less than I am or, you know, pretending I'm less successful or less smart or less interesting than I am to make Mm. other people feel better. To me, that's modesty. I'm like, I'm not going to hide it. You can see it, you know, (laughs) but I do believe in humility, um, in, in being grateful for everything we have in not underestimating the power of consistent work Um, the power of dedication to craft those things I really believe in to your point
0: Mm, mm, mm. I mean besides like if you put in all this work there's nothing like you know if you if you go you plant the seed you water it, you weed you do all these things why are you not going like why will you feel bad if you're enjoying your fruits like I I don't I don't understand that
1: truth truth yeah anyway
0: so so um You you were mentioning something, you know, with all the writing for 10 years and stuff. How did you see, like, the the rise, the slow rise and the, you know, now the uh, crazy um, levels that social media has grown to, you know? So, like, you've seen these rise for 10 years. What has that experience been for you?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, um increasing amounts of pressure and comparisonitis. So, I think <laughs> so I think, you know, social media like you know, um, because there's just this natural ability. Let me put it this way. I can remember Reed listening to an interview with Reed Hoffman and he is a big-time Silicon Valley investor and sort of startup advisor. And i can remember him saying that he would never who has invested in a lot of the social platforms by the way who said that he would never invest in a platform that doesn't directly play on or leverage a human vice
0: (laughs) so gambling porn yes
1: exactly Coveting, like, you know, so much of social is about coveting, you know, things that you don't have or vanity, you know, presenting the very best. And so I have, I have, um, I would say I have a very pragmatic view of social in the sense that I believe it is a massive tool in the ability for people who have a message. To, um, to access an audience. The unfortunate thing is that the platforms themselves are very often agnostic. They don't care if your message benefits society or derails society. And I, mean, I think last year, the advent of just a slew of documentaries about the ills of social media, the fact that so many people who've created these social platforms don't allow their kids to use them. So, I think, you know, on the one hand, it's been a huge benefit to me to allow me to access an audience that I would have to travel or it would have been so much harder. Mm-hmm. It has also really lowered the bar so that, um, at, on one hand, there's a lot of noise um, and competition. But I think, you know, what that in turn does is that for you, for me, um, all I can speak about is my own experience. I had to set very clear boundaries around what I use, why I use it, and for what purpose. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm, I don't think that it has been a net positive thing for society at all. I think most social platforms have actually been, when we look back in history, net negative. Um, that said, they're here to stay. Yeah. So I will, I'm have no qualms about leveraging them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, um, you you find something, you learn it, and then you learn the safe way to use it. Like, yes. everything has risks, right? Yes. Um, so, you just wouldn't get behind the wheel of a car and drive. Like, you know, you just, you know, put it in gear and it will move. It's still going to do what it's going to do, but you don't feel comfortable enough to get on the highway or until you've, you know, gotten your license, done yes. all these things, and even at that, you know, you take it bit by bit. And as with everything, you take the good and you leave the bad. And well, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. key to
1: a happy life. <laughs> you know
0: what I, mean? I agree, I it's agree, key, I agree.
1: Like,
0: you know, yeah. So, yeah. um, how, how, like, were you born here, or were you born mm-hmm. in England?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was born in Wales.
0: Okay. And then and, you moved yeah, here. Like was born how, in Wales, yeah. how old were you when you moved? Four. Oh, yeah. oh okay. So like, you yeah. don't have much of that memory from? No, yeah. not really.
1: <laughs> not really. I, we would go back, you know, and, and most, all of my dad's, um, family is still there. But no, I very much, well, actually I was about to say I very much feel Canadian. Um, and I do, but I also have this. Thing that I think you can feel as an immigrant. I think you can sometimes feel as somebody who's sort of other or different growing up. You know, when I was growing up, um, I was the only biracial person. (laughs) You know, I was the only, I looked very different. My mom in Fiji, they believe your spirit is in your hair. And so traditional Fijians, like my mom, would never straighten their hair. They continue, she continues to this day to have a pretty massive Afro. Um, And so we would go around, it was clear, like we were different. And so I think that I have have this experience that I don't think is that unusual of assimilation to the Mm -hmm. culture and also a feeling that I don't yet, I don't totally belong, you know? And so, um, you know, I've never, as an adult, I've never really felt at home anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, other than in my own personal environment, but I have that for sure. And so um, I, I know that other people feel this way. Um, you know, I think part, partly that also can give you a perspective you know, so you're all it's part of what I do, too, that I never totally feel of it. So I look, but I observe it, you know, Um, I'm around it, I observe it, but I don't ever feel kind of, of it.
0: Mm, (laughs) Yeah. mm. Um, so you said your dad moved to Canada, Mm because he got a professorship in, in in what school?
1: Acadia. Antigonish. Yeah. How was like Wolfville. so you had
0: to leave the Wolfville. like a small town? Mm-hmm. Um how was that experience for you?
1: Yeah, so it was Wolfville and then we actually lived in the countryside even outside. I keep mixing Wolfville. the two
0: schools.
1: Right. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So NFX is the oh other God. place. Yes. And then, yeah, yes. <laughs> I keep mixing up the two schools. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. you know
1: what, honestly, and I will say like, we just moved back to the town.
0: Oh. So
1: we'll um, I am a lover of college towns. I'm a lover of like, so when we were growing up, I can remember our, we didn't have family. So our family were other, um, professors who and their families who had moved to this town um, this small town from all kinds of different countries Mm. and um, they were trying to create relationships and families as well and you know i can remember that my parents they just had so many friends Um, they had a really active social life. There were friends Mm -hmm. from all over the place and because they were profs, I don't know if you've spent a lot of time with people with PhDs, but (laughs) it's pretty funny. Like they have the ability to talk about ideas. They have, they're fairly well read. Um, they also, you know, a lot of their training is to be skeptical so you have these educated skeptical people battling each other about their ideas about you know so i grew up in that world and it was so much fun and it was so enriching Mm. um it was it will feel over time became more of a multicultural place Mm. um and it still is it has this sort of small town energy and to me that is the kind of environment where I thrive. Like I have lived in Toronto. I travel a lot to larger cities. I love the sort of heartbeat of big cities, but I feel most at home in small towns.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you mentioned, you know, you lived in different cities and uh, you travel a lot, mm-hmm. um, I'm guessing like, you know, for conferences to talks, yeah. things like yes. this. Um last year, you know, I'm guessing, usually, you know, towards February, you're preparing for like, you know, uh, spring and summer for all this, you know, traveling for the talks and the conferences and, and there was a shutdown. Uh, What were you preparing to go? You know, what were you preparing Mm -hmm. for the summer of 2020? And how did the shutdown change that? And how did you adapt?
1: Oh, yeah, such a great question. Um, So, you know, to give you a picture in my business, we would do five, a minimum of five live events a year that we would host. Um, They were a huge part of our programming. um, And what we offered to our clients in our programming. Um, I did a lot of traveling to network and speak. And that was a big way that people discovered me um, and my company. And so I'll be honest though, I was getting tired of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. I was, Oh,
0: another plane, another hotel, another early breakfast, another I talk. Know, I
1: know. I was <laughs> like, this this globetrotting lifestyle, you know, <laughs> I just can't take it. So I was getting a little bit tired of it. And I had remembered a a really good friend of mine. Um, She she in turn had a good friend who was a global keynote speaker, and she had been warning me for a couple of years. And she was saying, Eleanor, um, you know, keynote speaking is amazing. Do it, but be careful about uh, be careful of it too because it's a little bit like a drug and so she was telling me about this guy who you know big audiences great money just a ton of adrenaline around it it's really fun they treat you really well um, and it can be hard and it's also a very easy way to grow your company mm-hmm. you know uh, there other people are building the audience for you mm-hmm. so I knew of this um, and I was starting to get tired of it my boys actually so I have two sons 10 and 14. They were getting older, and oddly, you need to be more present the older they are. So, when they're babies, you can kind of go through the motion doing their thing and hugging them, and that's pretty much all they need. As they get older, your presence you know, like I need to this is where we build relationships where I'm talking to them, where I need to hear them to help them talk through decisions or to be able to clue in, is something wrong? Because they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're boys and they don't, they're not as vocal as I was, you know, so you have to be more present. So this was happening. So <laughs> what the shutdown did was give me the gift of halting all travel. So it's like, mm-hmm. Eleanor, you kind of wanted to do this, now you have to. So the immediate thing that we needed to do was really create digital marketing and content marketing at a level um, that had and that had responsibilities that it had never had before. Um, and so that was um, a learning experience because I was a great marketer, you know, but to be able to use marketing to replace public speaking as a lead generator, that was completely different. So that was the first thing. In the absence of having physical events where we could bring our communities together, I had to rethink how to design what I wanted our programming to look like. Mm-hmm. And so that was also, you know, another um, shift that I had to make. Mm. And the other thing I think that was so huge, starting around September, what we started seeing was all of this research coming out about how Canadians were doing. From a mental health perspective, um, women were not doing well. From a mental health perspective, mm. employee engagement was at an all-time low across the country. At one, there was, there were a couple of different studies that showed like sixty percent of Canadian employees wanted to quit. Mm. <laughs> so it was so take. I'd never experienced anything like that as a boss. Um, so doing, you know, the the pressure of having to make sure that the business um, stayed really healthy, of making the transitions and the operations of our business that we needed to, um, homeschooling my kids, coaching other entrepreneurs who were dealing with this and being a support for them, and doing my best to make sure that the team had the support that they needed. That was a lot. Mm -hmm. So I kind of hit a wall myself in September September and October, I really experienced just, it, it was it was kind of like a depression, you know? I was low, and I've been low before in my life, you know, and had experiences and stuff, but I felt like I just couldn't really get myself out of it. Like, I just felt low. Um, and so that, so I wrote a lot about that. I talked a lot about that. Um, and that experience, so many other women, again, content, right? so many other women were experiencing that as well Um, and i just didn't rush myself to feel better Mm. i just accepted you know where i was i was like what are the some of the most important things to do our business has become very simple to run Mm -hmm. um and so a lot of things were actually quite easy and then you know over time november december january like i just started to feel better and better and i feel like with the vaccines rolling out. I just think there's this sense of renewal everywhere. Mm-hmm. So 2020 was for me a really powerful experience. It was tragic around the world, um, but it also created a lot of positive change for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, what you had mentioned just actually made my mind fly to a discussion I was having with friends, these two, women i respect um and what came out of that well, one of the things we talked about was mm-hmm. you know being a woman you are a woman mom mm-hmm. wife if you're working in your mm-hmm. case ceo you're coaching all these people and like in a way coach is like a mom too right you mm-hmm. know so you're doing I mean, all yeah. these things mm-hmm. um at times you kind of forget to take care of yourself. Uh, Do you ever deal with that? And and if you do or don't, how do you handle that?
1: Mm. Yeah, I I think that, um, yeah, and I think the places where I was starting to see it were in um, like being kind of glued to my desk. (laughs) So, you know, just being very sedentary and then not sleeping enough. So, um, two of the biggest changes that I made, and I can remember, I was talking to my trainer, so I was like, Oh, I have, I have hormonal weight gain. I know it. I it's hormonal. I need to fix my hormones. This is happening to me. And so she says, yeah, but you know, have you ever considered getting like a, a Fitbit or anything like this? I was like, what is this? Minion step counting business. I, I can not believe it. You're insulting me. Get out of here with that. Yeah. But then, you know, I thought about it. I was like, okay, fine. So I had got my husband an Apple watch. He didn't like it because he didn't know how to shut off the notifications. So I, bo- I borrowed it and I realized that I was getting like maybe 2,000 steps a day. And so I immediately made the switch and started walking. That was it, like 10,000 steps a day and do just cutting my caffeine intake. So I was sleeping more. Mm -hmm. And to me, those two things made a huge difference because I do think it's easy to. To deplete the well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then before you realize it, you know, you're having a glass of wine to relax you're having coffee to keep you awake, Um, you are working a lot, so you're not able to kind of, you know, you're not getting the movement that you need. So I think it's just so, so super critical.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, And then what are some things you do for self-care? I mean, apart from the walking and...
1: Yeah, Um, so a couple of things. One is uh, not allowing toxic
0: people in my life. Yes, so,
1: that's huge. You know,
0: you know, you know. So I'll let you continue. I just had <laughs> to that just triggered something in my head. Do you have, like there are people that feel bad for cutting toxic people? Like, how? Why are you feeling bad? It's like it's like you are you are like in quicksand, right? And you are you know finding a way to get out to help this person that's in the quicksand with you. And the person's like, no, 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 don't get the help you need. We're gonna stay in this fucking quicksand together. Like, why would you feel bad if you're cutting the person? I don't understand it. Like, why will you feel bad? Let the person go. The person is not good for you. Anyway, oh anyway, God. yeah.
1: Right? No, totally. You know, so many of our problems, I was thinking so many people, the analogy is like, imagine that you had two 25 pound dumbbells, and then you jump into a pool. And you are like fighting for your life, you know, trying to, and it's just like, let go of the dumbbells and you will rise. And so I feel like, you know, number one thing is, um, just being very mindful about what gets in, you Mm. know? So that's, that's sort of the first thing, um, I have, this has happened more recently, really, um, making sure I don't need a ton of friends. Like I need just a few, but they better be good. And so um, those, you know what I mean? Those friends that I have um, who I can laugh with, that's the most important thing. Um, Really kind of staying connected and um, with those people, that's another huge thing um, for Mm -hmm. self-care for me. And also dressing beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Yeah, so it's interesting. It's kind of like, You know i think about i remember as a kid i was obsessed with cleopatra's um uh rumored beauty regime you know so she would like bathe in goat's milk and she would do this and she would do this and and i remember just being really interested in, in cleopatra's beauty regime even though she was like this legendary beauty but apparently she actually wasn't classically beautiful at all but she treated the way that she adorned herself and treated herself um that it was very intentional and so you know i really um believe in that as well believe in you know how do i want to present myself to myself and to the world mm. and will i take the time to do that you know and so mm you won't catch me in yoga pants, Monday to Friday, nine to (laughs) five. But 5pm. It's full on athleisure.
0: Wait, 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 even like, you know, now like with the pandemic and stuff.
1: Oh, I was yeah. So I was doing that. And then I took a look at myself one day and I was literally I was on a podcast, a video podcast that was widely watched. And I was like, Whoa, so my eyebrows were like one. <laughs> they are like one eyebrow. And my whole, you know, and I was just like, wow, I don't even like that. I don't even feel good presenting myself like that. And so it's, um, yeah, it's sort of those, I think it gets back to that thing that we were talking about earlier, which is sort of daily dedication or daily devotion you know, like, can you be devoted to me? I'm very focused. So it's like, I'm just going to devote myself to a few things, but this is something that I can do that has only good and doesn't have any bad. And please, if I felt like getting into athleisure, I'll do it. But I, you know, I like to present myself in a certain way. And that feels like self-care to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's great. Um. So, yeah, let's let's, let's hop on the podcast. Um, what was your process for studying that? And, you know, I guess what's the behind the scenes that people don't see?
1: So it's so interesting. So I was going to start a podcast in 2014. I talked myself out of it. It felt complicated, the tech side of it. I told myself that the tech was too hard. It's not, it's not, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so 2014, so then in 2016, I decided I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I gave myself, um, six weeks to record 10 episodes to get it launched. I hired a producer right away to help me. Um, and I launched the show and it was called Fierce Feminine Leadership. And so, um, at the beginning I produced three shows a week. Because that's how I like to roll. And so I was like three shows a week. And my goal was really about frequency, about building a following, about, you know, having building that audience through frequent, high quality content. Mm -hmm. That was three parts value, one part attitude. And Mm -hmm. that's still my sort of mantra today three parts value and insight, one part attitude. And sometimes a little bit of um, humorous shade thrown in there too. So, that's how I did it. And then, you know, rebranded the podcast in 2020 to power presence position. And my process really, it's fairly organic. So I am a person who I like
0: consistency. So I like, right, you know, what people call that boring. I'm like, it's not boring. Like, you know, this thing is gonna work. You just keep that going that way.
1: Yes, I know. You know, who also loves consistency, Warren Buffett. So y'all can just stop, exactly, y'all can stop. I love consistency, so to me, it's like just, I like things that I do regularly. And so Mm. normally there's not a ton that I do on a one-off basis, there's a lot that I do consistently. So um, I pr- consistently produce podcasts. I'm usually planning out content uh, or rough ideas about four episodes in advance, mm-hmm. but I usually don't batch podcast episodes because of the energy, you know, like interviews, these conversations, they, I'm an extrovert, they give a lot of energy, but to show up and be clear, to focus on communicating without 50 million ums and ahs that <laughs> takes some focus, you know? So that's my process. I'm, I'm usually um, communicating about something that is meaningful to me. I find I have to be kind of energized around mm. it. Otherwise, the end show doesn't have that energy that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the big thing that has helped my podcast is attitude, So really not being afraid to have a voice, to have opinions. Um, So that sort of energy and also um, what helped it even more was the willingness to get started and then the Mm. willingness to continue to refine it over time.
0: Yeah. 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 And you still use a producer.
1: Yeah. Still use a producer. Mm, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, (laughs) do you
1: you produce it yourself?
0: (laughs) I'm like, all of the things <laughs> well so i'm looking that um uh, you know because i have a film background so yes. film is super collaborative you can't make well you can make a film alone maybe yeah. uh but like you know you you can't like no matter how small you you need someone you know even if you're acting you know sh- like act, you still mm-hmm. kind of need someone to be behind the camera and make sure you look okay so yeah. you can't walk alone so uh in the process i i i meet like like you said this really tight really small circle of friends i call them my avengers and <laughs> i don't know if you know anything about like the avengers or Marvel, uh, yeah but... i do
1: exactly
0: Wonderful. but so it's like they're all like superheroes and then they have like their own franchises but um, when the world needs saving we all come together to do something usually it's my world that needs saving because yeah. like I'm lazy one uh, I'm not really technical um, and I don't really know much I just fake a lot of things
1: but you have a winning personality
0: <laughs> well I guess that's what they like right so I'll like by the way I need help with this and then we'll just come together and then but the thing is Um, you know, we'll kind of create it in such a way that it becomes plug and play. And then once it becomes plug and play, I just, just kind of take over from there. So like,
1: I love that because I think what you have are like these creative thought partners and that to me, you know, and and this is so interesting because this year in 2020, I realized like what I wanted because it stripped away all the unnecessary things. Mm. Right? There's just nothing all the unnecessary. If you didn't have to go to the grocery store, you weren't going. You were going to cook what you had in your fridge, not what you had the inkling for. Just mm. stuff like that. So to your point, like I love that relationship, a group of really creative people who have their own specialties, but you can come together and probably you're probably talking through projects a lot. You're probably To me, that is those relationships are like oxygen.
0: Mm. Mm, mm. am yeah. i over
1: am i overselling it
0: Israel? no no you're not you're not <laughs> at all really right but the good thing is like you know so i can i can have many things on the go because like i have many really cool people that like these really cool things so like now like we are working on a film and a documentary and a podcast and this thing but like it I'm just lucky to kind of be the face but there's like so many people behind me. So like I'm standing on the arms of these really really awesome people and I can't do one thing that at least looks this good without them. So Mm -hmm. like I'm really really thankful for my Avengers and like I I try to make sure that you know I also bring someone to the plate. I I guess I bring my smile.
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i think that well i i so many things but i suspect like storytelling the ability to build rapport in an interview and i mean look at what oprah did mm. look at what that skill set just did to you know in her in her interview with harry and uh with prince harry and Meghan markle mm. i mean i I was watching that. I don't know if you want. So I grew up watching Oprah and she doesn't do her show anymore. So you don't get to hear her do these interviews, Mm. but I heard that interview and I was like the power of conversation to challenge and disrupt institutions to Mm. bring awareness. I mean, that was just so incredible. It's such an, it's such a valuable skill set. So guys and gals, (laughs) Avengers.
0: Be thankful, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that they like, and we've been working together for since 2016, right? So, my very first film that's when we met, and then everything I've made moving forward, we've just worked on it. It's like, you know, um, and then if like we kind of just contributing to each other's things because we yeah. all have our things, um, and then. But the thing is you know i'm nigerian like i was born in nigeria and i growing up i i wanted to make films like but I, I just i didn't have the opportunity to so um then i you know i had the opportunity to move here and like here like there are all these opportunities so my approach is just if someone is like can you do this i'm like yes and then i'll figure it out and so it's, like, everything I've done since I've been, like, yes, how the fuck are we going to do this? Me, and then I do yes. it. So I'm always kind of learning on the job. Like, now we, you know, so I, I, I came from, like, okay, I don't know how to make a film to, like, I can make a film now to, like, I don't really like him being in front of a camera to, like, starting a podcast to, like, having a daily podcast to, like, building it into a network now. So, like, it's, like, if the opportunities that I'm just going to grab it, And I'm just lucky that, you know, I have these people behind me Mm -hmm. that just, you know, push me and like give me this full and like, you know, we just... Like, let's keep going. And then, so it's like, you know, every, and and the thing is like, they get this message from me. Like, it's usually like three or four in the morning when I have this cool idea, they're like, oh, "Oh fuck, he's doing it again.
1: (laughs) What is with this guy? (laughs) But I think we all, those sort of ideators and instigators and catalysts, it's it's like, that is so important too. You know, it's life-giving and energy-giving. even if even if there's some work involved.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Um, so life is going to slowly open up at the point. Uh, what are some plans for Safi Media moving forward?
1: Mm. So we will definitely get back into doing some events. Um, but I feel like I have a clean slate with events in the sense that I can sort of reimagine them and run them differently than I used to run them. And so once we are vaccinated, um, we will open up and again, start having um, live events, which will be really exciting. I am really looking forward to, um, to doing travel again. So, you know, traveling to beautiful places on holiday um, and also traveling for business. But what I'm really excited about is that I'll be able to do it less, you know? So I used to do like 24 trips a year now I you know, to me I'd love to do like eight. Mm. You know, go away to a nice place, um, eight times you know, like for work mostly and then some personal as well. That's mm. what I'm really looking forward to. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah. Oh man, Eleanor, thanks so much for coming on the show and for getting me to laugh and talk and <laughs> chat and, and sharing so much about Safi Media and and I think, you know, we should we should actually start a show together, you know.
1: That would be super fun.
0: Yeah, you know. That would be fun. What we'll talk about, but I think like we kinda like have the same values. We're like love consistency. We don't (laughs) like toxic people. You know yeah yeah we should people. we should t- <laughs> we should totally do something to get something together that would be fun yeah that would be um, fun and you won't need a producer so
1: i know exactly so i'm like oh <laughs> my gosh we have the avengers yes we have I the avengers i can be black widow
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay this is too much fun <laughs> thank you so much for coming eleanor um i can't wait to have you back and we should really talk about what our show is going to be called i don't true, know true true
1: Exactly. It could be called Truth and Consequences.
0: Oh my God. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, that my is gosh. just asking for trouble, though. So funny. <laughs> I know. So funny. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to let you go and uh, we'll, you know, come back together. Ooh, we'll come back together real soon. Awesome. Thanks for coming on and have a wonderful day.
1: Thank you.